T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two getting underway here on Sports Daily. Big day for Chiefs fans. Kansas City headed back to the Super Bowl. They'll play in the spot their season began, Glendale, Arizona. Uh, should be a big one. It's going to be a wild, wild weekend out there. You've got the big uh, PGA event, which is the biggest party on tour, happening at the same time. It's going to be nuts if you're going out to that area for the Super Bowl. Um, Tommy, let's begin to take a look ahead at the Super Bowl. We'll get to college basketball in this segment, too. Chiefs-Eagles, the two one-seeds. I think you got the two best teams here. Um, you know, it's it, there is a, a whole lot to look at with this game, and I don't have a great feel for it. I do think that holistically, and I could change my mind on this. I said this last night. I think Cincinnati's better than Philadelphia. Um, so that's promising. I, that, and I don't think that means a whole lot for this game other than, like, there's almost no scenario where even if the injury situation isn't great for the Chiefs, I'm like, oh, man, they're big underdogs here. They opened, though, as favorites. All the money flooded to Philadelphia. Now Philadelphia suddenly uh, becomes the favorite in the game, the betting favorite, which is... Remember that, right? It's the exact same thing that happened with Cincinnati, and it's because of the injuries. And just today, let me look at BetMGM here. Now it's down to two points. It got up to two and a half last night, but it's down to Eagles as a two-point favorite. I suspect, similar to the Cincinnati game, is if the injury report is pretty good for the Chiefs, by the time we get to game time, I could easily see this as a pick em, Tommy. Um, there, there are so many interesting things to look at in this game. And I think it'll be pretty easy to make cases for just about whatever you want to in this game, won't it? I mean, think about it. Will the Chiefs have answers for A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, those two big receivers? The way you saw, you know, Higgins and Chase make big plays. You can go there if you want to, right? You can go to the fact that the Eagles have a phenomenal offensive and defensive line versus that Chiefs defensive line. Um, and quite frankly, the Chiefs offensive line. 
You can say that Patrick Mahomes is way better than Jalen Hurts. You can say that Travis Kelsey's the best player on the field, right? Like you can you could probably make a case and a pretty good one for just about any way you want to take this game. I don't know where I'll take it, but I do think it is a really interesting and compelling matchup. Well, I think that right now with the way that the line stands, uh, that there's a, a great value to take the Chiefs on the money line right now. With there is, you know, if they're and I have. if they're getting yeah, if if they're if they're getting points right now, then then for sure, like I think that's a good early bet. But we all know it's not going to stay there. Like it's going to go back and forth. And I know that. I mean, think about the way that the line moved with the AFC Championship game, uh, as everybody was looking at. Mahomes' ankle and and how effective will he be and the line went back and forth and back and forth it's going to be this way too and we've got two weeks now to get ready for it injuries are going to be key in this game and how significant will the injury situation be for Kansas City not just with Mahomes and Kelsey but with the wide receivers too with Juju and McCole Hardman and Kadarius Toney uh, will they be able to play? Willie Gay went out with an injury Legereus Sneed went out with an injury there were several key injuries in that game last night against the Bengals. And so they've got a couple of weeks to heal up. Uh, that's going to be a key part of it. Uh, you mentioned the wide receivers that Philadelphia has. Uh, I feel like if the Kansas City secondary or the defense as a whole played like they did last night, then they shouldn't have a huge issue in limiting A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Uh, because those are our great wide receivers, but Jalen Hurts is not as good yet in his career as Joe Burrow is, in my opinion. And so if they can get pressure oh, no. on Jalen Hurts, although I know that, you know, that Hurts is going to be able to run, you've got to try to contain him as best as you can. But if, if they're able to play at the level they played uh, last night, then they should be in for another great outing against the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is is so different than Mahomes and Burrow that it's hard to even, like, compare him. He's not, like, nobody's going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts belongs in the conversation with those guys. He doesn't as a just a true quarterback in the way we think not about yet. it. What he does, right, correct, that's what I mean. But what he does do is he provides, you know, I, I don't want, I don't think he has, you know, like the running ability of Lamar Jackson or, or, or Justin Fields, but he's close. He's really, really good running the ball. And he, he's probably a better passer than both of those guys. So it's, you know, it's it's this balance that he has that has made him so effective. And man, I got to tell you, I love Jalen Hurts. Hate the Eagles, but I love Jalen Hurts. Going back to his college days, loved him as a college player. The energy and the attitude he brought to some difficult spots where he Basically lost his job at Alabama, went back to Oklahoma, had a tremendous amount of success. The Eagles took a chance with him. Nobody thought that he was going to be in this spot, and here he is. It just constantly overachieves the doubters, and I appreciate that. Big fan of Jalen Hurts. And he's going to present different challenges too, right? Joe Burrow's, you know, I'm not going to say Jalen Hurts is better than Joe Burrow, but Jalen Hurts is totally different than Joe Burrow. And I'm trying to think for the Chiefs, like, who do you even compare that to, right? Like, who do we try to try to look at and say, how did the Chiefs handle this guy? And that's what is going to be really hard about predicting this game is, is they really haven't done that. So I, I don't know what the Jalen Hurts factor is. I know that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith scare me, right? Because the plays you see T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase play, 
make in that game. Jamar, A.J. Brown can make those kinds of plays. Devontae Smith does different things, but that's a challenge with young corners, right? And, and that scares you a little bit. I think that Philadelphia runs the ball probably better collectively than Cincinnati does, right? That scares you a little bit. And defensively, I think Philadelphia is probably better than, hmm, I don't know. They're they're at least as good as any team the Chiefs have played. We'll put it that way. So it's all there, and and now we get into the chess of it, right? You know, Andy Reid versus Nick Sirianni. Steve Spagnolo is he big game? Steve Spagnolo again in this one. That defi- like there's so many parts of it that it's going to take some time to sort through this game. I think. Well, I do think that the Eagles' defense is just as good as Cincinnati's, if not if not better. And so right. I think you're going to be you're going to be facing a, a, a stout defensive unit. Uh, and Hassan Reddick, we mentioned him in the, in the last segment, was all over the place against the 49ers. And so Andrew Wiley uh, should be lined up opposite of Hassan Reddick. He's going to have his hands full, you would think, in the Super Bowl. Uh, and and we've, we've discussed before about some of the issues with the offensive line. I, I, feel, like the, I feel like the Kansas City offensive line is good, not great, and there have been some moments where they've not looked great. Now, I think that they provided a, a fairly clean pocket for the most part for Patrick Mahomes uh, last night. Um, but, you know, Orlando Brown has had his share of struggles. Um, but when you're playing opposite of a guy like Hassan Reddick, you've got a you've got a game plan for him. Uh, and, and that's going to be crucial, too. That, that's another storyline uh, to keep our eyes on leading up to the game. And then going back to the offensive side of the ball, like you mentioned, uh, for the Eagles, I, I, I'm right there with you. When you say that they collectively have a, a great run game, they do, and they can establish the run well with multiple different players. And because Jalen Hurts has that running ability, it's going to keep the defense honest. It's going to keep them in a position where you know they've got to always be concerned about, is Hurts going to take off or can gain well? or Sanders, or Boston Scott break one off. And that's then where guys like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard can do their thing because if you're playing the run, it's going to be able to set you up for maybe some play some play fakes and you know be able to, to soften up the, the pass defense a little bit. So it's just an entirely different scheme that Philly plays. You're playing a completely different kind of offense in the Super Bowl than you played against Cincinnati in the AFC title game. Yeah, here's here's the other part of it, um, and this gets a little bit into what really worries me about the game, if I'm the Chiefs, right? Uh, the Eagles have one of the better defenses against tight ends, right? The Bengals had one of the worst, and I thought they'd try to game plan Kelsey, and they didn't do a very good job because Kelsey still got his. The Eagles have one of the best defenses against tight ends, and I, and I think— Tommy, that that's something we're going to have to watch here is, you know, how does that part of this play out for Kansas City? If that indeed happens, right, what then do the Chiefs do? And that's where all these injuries come into play. But it's something, you know, anytime I'm trying to think about, like, what, what how do the Chiefs match up against whatever team it is, right? Like, who is it? How do they match up against them? Here's the deal with the two teams they've played so far and and just knowing what the Chiefs have right now. The Jaguars are the worst team in football against the tight end this year, right? 
And then you go to the Bengals, who are the fifth worst team in football against the tight end this year. Now they got to go up against a team that is, you know, a little better than league average. No, that's not true. They're they're about tenth or so, so top top you know third of the NFL against the tight end. So you got a long time to prepare for it. But as much as Kansas City right now is having to lean on Travis Kelsey, they had two good matchups for that, right? You played two terrible defenses at stopping tight ends this year in the first two playoff games. Then you got to go up and you got to play the Eagles, who all year long have been good at that. That presents, I think, an interesting challenge for Kansas City to know that a team matches up well against that position and knowing that that's what you're going to have to have for the offense to be able to do its thing, especially if any of these injuries linger. That's something to watch in this game, I think, as we make our way through. How do the Chiefs overcome what's been a good tight end defense all year? Look, the other thing about the Eagles that we mentioned in the last hour when we were talking about their matchup against the 49ers, they're methodical offensively. Um, and, and that's what happens when you can have success running the football. You can be methodical. You can control the clock, control the ball. Um, I actually thought that last night Cincinnati might try to do that a little bit more than what they did uh, because I think Joe Mixon is one of one of the, the better running backs in the league and Samaj P. Ryan is a great backup and they've got they've got the, the skills to run the football. They didn't really lean on that a whole lot. Uh, and I think that had they been able to control the, the ball and the tempo a little bit more, the outcome might have been different. And so that's one thing that the Eagles can do. And of course, it's easier said than done. And I know teams have tried to game plan Patrick Mahomes like this for years now, where it's try to keep him off the field keep that offense from getting the ball, have long sustained drives, move the ball down the field, end up with points at the end of each drive. That's easier said than done. So we can sit here 13 days before the Super Bowl and say, well, you know, the Eagles can run the ball really well. And so they can, you know, definitely try to control the clock. Sure. That might be the game plan, but that's again, where you get guys like Chris Jones and Willie Gay, assuming he's healthy. And, you know, some of the other run stoppers defensively, if they can stop the run on first and second down and force three and outs uh, and and keep the Eagles from being able to control the ball, control the tempo, control the clock, uh, that might be a, a great strategy defensively for Kansas City. Limit them on first down, try to get them off the field, and keep the Eagles from having these long, sustained drives. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's going to take some time. I mean, it really is. And that's good for us here, right? Because it, we've got two weeks to talk about this matchup. But it's going to take some time to sort through this. Not just because of the injuries, but just to sort of, like you've got two very different teams who haven't really played a lot of the same people or anything like that. You've got, you know, so much new with the Eagles. With the Bengals, right, we, we there's a lot we already know about the Bengals. So it was a little easier to get a grasp of that. Like, yep, this is going to be a close game. One, because these two play a lot. It's always close. We know the quarterbacks. We know the skill guys. For the Eagles, the Eagles are, are really new this year. You know, they I know they were in the Super Bowl, what, in 2017? Which, by the way, that was one of those moments where I feel really old. To know how fast time goes now, to realize... That was all the way back in 2017 when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. Man, that feels yeah. like yesterday. Nick Foles, it's been the Phillies special. Six seasons. Whoa. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, anyway, 
This is a very new team to all of us. Their turnaround has been remarkable. So trying to like stack it up against the Chiefs and we've got nothing really to go off of, right? We don't, there's not a lot we can look at and be like, oh yeah, we'll remember when, with the Bengals, it was like, remember when they've played the last three times. It's probably going to be pretty similar to that. And it was. This time, I, I don't know. I don't know what to, you know, what to make of it. I think that it'll be really easy to go find what you're looking for as a fan. You know what I mean? Like if you want to go find some Chiefs takes, you'll be able to find them. If you want to go find some Eagles takes, you're going to be able to find them. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because I think this is a very unpredictable game. It's a lot like when the Chiefs played the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Like just totally unpredictable. Don't know a lot of what to make of it because the teams were playing, you know, at different levels at the times they met up. This one may be even more so, right? Like I don't know how the Chiefs are going to match up against Jalen Hurts. They haven't played anybody like Jalen Hurts because what he's doing this year, he's pretty unique in what he does. So how do they match up against that? I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, I'm I'm trying to rack my brain on previous regular season games this season where Kansas City has matched up against a quarterback of, of a similar style to Jalen Hurts. And I think maybe you have to go all the way back to week one when they took on Arizona and Kyler Murray. And I don't think Kyler yeah. Murray and Jalen Hurts are on the same level. Don't get me wrong. But similar styles, similar I would sets. say. No, that's a good call. And and Kansas City uh, dominated that game. Now the Cardinals are a much worse team uh, than the Eagles are, clearly. Uh, but that's probably the last time. I, mean, I can't think of another time when Kansas City played a team that has a quarterback with kind of the same skill set and style as Jalen Hurts. But this is why... This is why we love matchups like this, because the last thing you want is to have the biggest game on the planet, the Super Bowl, when you've got a team that you know is more than likely going to roll over their opponent. Uh, that's not what we have here. I think that as the as this week goes on and as next week goes on, there are so many different variables, so many different narratives We'll have to keep an eye on the injury tracker, all of that stuff. Uh, it literally could go either way, and I think I don't think that's going to change. Uh, I, there's clearly a reason why the line opened with Kansas City. I think it opened as a pick'em actually, and then it moved to Kansas City being the favorite, and then back to a pick'em, and now the Eagles are favored. I, that line is going to continue to move because I think that again, so many different variables could come into play. You know, and another one as we look through this, and we'll do a lot of this over the next couple of weeks. You know, who else Jalen Hurts might you might get we might get a good read on, and not they're not the same level of quarterback, and and they are they are different, but at least gives you some like this quarterback can run and throw and has good. Josh Allen, right? Like Josh Allen, yeah. You know, I, I I bet you if we went and looked, the the attempts rushing the ball probably aren't as different as we might think that they are just right off the cuff between Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. I could be wrong about that, but when I when I think about a quarterback that likes to run, right, that that intentionally uses the ability to run, Josh Allen does that. Now, is Jalen Hurts the level of thrower of Josh Allen? Probably not. And is Josh Allen the level of runner? Is Jalen Hurts probably not? But at least it gives you an idea back to a dual threat type of a guy. And the Chiefs played Josh Allen pretty well in that meeting this year. So I don't know. And and 
you know, they're going to – the Eagles haven't faced Spagnolo, and he he does so many things different and, and throws different things at teams, and we know, you know, how difficult it is for players to play in his system. It's why I think always these Spagnolo defenses get better as the season goes on because there's just so much to it. Um <laughs> Good luck predicting this game. We're going to have a lot of takes on this game, yeah. Tommy. And I'm totally ready to be like absolutely wrong about all of them because it is, it's going to be that kind of unpredictable game. I don't even know that I think this game's going to be all that close, but I don't know which way that is, right? Like, I don't know which way it's not close. Here's a question for you. Uh, looking at it right now, of course, things can change in the next two weeks. But looking at it right now, if you had to guess. Who Vegas has as the odds-on favorite to be the MVP in Super Bowl 57? Who do you think it is? Um, all right, give me just a second to think about that. The odds-on favorite to be the Super as of Bowl right MVP. right now, this moment, yep. And I have not looked at this. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts, I guess. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is the odds-on favorite right now to be the Super Bowl MVP. Patrick Mahomes is number two. It goes Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and then Travis Kelsey after that. Yeah, uh, and keep an eye. Look, here's the deal on Super Bowl MVPs. Let's say Chris Jones had the kind of game he had in a Super Bowl. I think that's where you get one of those off years where a different kind of— Now, Mahomes would have gotten it, I guess, in that game because he was just—he he made some incredible plays, but— yeah, cannot wait. We got we got two weeks to get ready for it. We'll do that here on Sports Daily. We're going to talk a little college hoops when we come back, though. Big weekend for the teams in the state of Kansas. We'll go through K-State, KU, Wichita State as we make our way through this Monday edition of Sports Daily. Welcome back in, everybody. Big college basketball weekend as we shift away from our Chiefs talk. 869-1240. If you missed anything, kfhradio.com is where you can go. Uh, Tommy, big weekend for all three teams. Let's start in the Big 12. The Big 12 SEC showdown. Big 12 wins 7 out of 10 of those games. Uh, So a good showing for the league, certainly there. Uh, Two of those wins include K-State and KU. Let's start with the Cats. They're going to be ranked the highest of the three teams after a very convincing win uh, over Florida by 14 points. Good to see Keontae Johnson get his reunion. The handshake line after the game was a lot of fun. All of those things, but at home in a game that, you know, maybe was emotional for at least Keontae Johnson that you sort of get through things to set up the next one, the Sunflower Showdown round two in Lawrence. Kansas State shows out well. They play well. They get another win. You know, nothing's really holding them back here. And absolutely, this is a team now, Tommy, that the expectation need needs, I think, for them to be a one or a two seed to get deep into the tournament. I mean, they're that good. I don't know what else they, they need to show us. But you cross over and you play a game like that, just more of the same for K-State. Yeah, that was a great outing for the Wildcats. Marquise Noel flirted with the first triple-double in Kansas State basketball history. Uh, and at halftime, you know, that was the the conversation. Like, he was on triple-double watch, and he was, what, one rebound and two assists away from a triple-double, 13 points and nine boards and eight assists. Um, so a, a great stat line. He was everywhere. Uh, and, and that's what I love so much about his game uh, is that there is no fear, uh, supreme confidence. He's going to stick his nose into every play on both ends of the court. 
never takes a playoff. Uh, and of course, all the conversation typically is with Keontae Johnson because it's such a great story and just the way he's built and his athleticism and all of that. And that's all true. Um, and I, I go back and forth. Like if I had to pick who is more valuable on that team between Johnson and Noel, like one game, it's one of them. The next game, it's the other one. Uh, I really think that Marquise Noel, though, with just his all around game and what he brings to the table, he, he might be he probably is. Uh, the most valuable player on that roster, and he showed that uh, in that matchup on Saturday against Florida. Well, look, they got it, and they got it done with a suffocating defense, right? That's the other good thing I think that came from that game is they held Florida to fifty points. You hold anybody yeah. to fifty points, uh, and that sixteen first half points, sixteen. They didn't play as well in the second half. They didn't need to play as well in the second half. They were up twenty-one points at halftime, um, and it was sort of the similar with the Shockers, which we'll talk about in a minute. By the way. But K-State's going to sit there. They, I doubt they move much in the rankings, if at all, in the top 25, which haven't come out yet. Um, KU, I think of of all the games we saw this weekend, especially in the, in the Big 12, Big 10 series, KU did the thing, I think, that makes you feel the best, right? They got the big win, and they did it against an opponent that had such a clear matchup advantage with Shibway. And Bill Self, we don't have to worry about the four-game losing streak or anything like that. But just to give a team confidence, Tommy, because there won't be a game the rest of the season that KU goes into that they can't now call back to, yeah, this team has a good big, they're good in the post, but they're not as good as Oscar Shibway, and we know we beat them. So we can do it here again. And Shibway was good in that game. I don't know if he was involved enough in the second half for Kentucky, 18 points, though, nine rebounds. I mean, they he he, he, had, his, he had his six fouls, um, but or sorry, three fouls. Uh, so, you know, a, a couple of things there for him. I, th- I think they kept him fouling enough to at least keep that in his head, but they got it done against the best big in the country, and, boy, they needed it, right? It was another Jalen Wilson game, K.J. Adams. Now, did you have K.J. Adams scoring 17 points in that game? Because I probably didn't. Um, not with Sheboy on the other side, but that's what you got to see out of KU. Go win the games against teams that still present bad matchups. I thought Kevin McCuller was fantastic in that game. Yep. Uh, Maybe especially on the Jayhawk, especially on the defensive end of the floor, which is exactly what you mentioned right. on Friday leading up to this game. Uh, that you know he he's one of the the candidates for Defensive Player of the Year, and and this was an opportunity for him to show out a little bit and. Whenever, especially in the first half, whenever they were able to help on Oscar Shibway and and McCuller was able to go down in the post and double him, it allowed him, and he's got the quickness to then be able to go recover uh, when the ball is kicked out again. But they kept Shibway out of that low post as much as they could in the first half because that's really his bread and butter offensively. Uh, they were much more comfortable defending him right around the free throw line, a little bit higher up. And, and, and that, and, you know, it, when he's going to take shots from that location, you can live with that. Uh, but, you know, the Jayhawks don't have the size overall to match up in the low post against a guy like Shibway, but they compensated for it. And they found other ways to be effective defensively with the help defense, with with McCuller and all of that. And you really saw the absence of Kevin McCuller show up when he injured his ankle and was out for a couple of minutes. And uh, at that point, Shibway was able to kind of do whatever he wanted. Uh, and then once McCuller came back in, it was like they were back, you know, back whole again. 
Uh, so fantastic defense from McCuller. Uh, like you mentioned, Jalen Wilson, he's always going to get his. He's going to shoot the ball a lot, but 22 points for him. Um, it, it's it's kind of a given night in and night out now that yeah, gotta have he's going to get over 20, right? And that's just the way that it's going to be for him. But I thought the bench overall was better uh, than we had seen during that losing streak. They did. They still didn't score a ton of points off the bench. They only had six bench points, but I thought decent minutes from Ernest Uday. Uh, I thought that, that Bobby Pettiford had a couple decent minutes too. Um, so I, I was overall pleased with the execution. And then, by the way, Dewan Harris had eight first-half points and hit a couple big threes. I think he had had eight points in the three games combined prior to the Kentucky game. So seeing him be able to you know, be a little bit more rested and healthy coming out, uh, he looked better than we've seen him in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he did. He still looks a little off to me, just sort of in body language. And and again, like that, take that with a grain of salt. It could be nothing. Um, it's just watch. I, I I still don't think he looks like he looked at the beginning of the year, but he certainly looked better, uh, and and continues to perhaps be the most critical. You know, his play becomes one of the most critical things for this team. We've just seen it, right? When he struggles, they struggle. When he's good, they're good, um, which is interesting. Such an interesting player, but yeah, I, I think that I think that you know, if if you had to draw it up and you're a KU fan of what you really needed to see out of that game, you got it all, and that's a good thing because now you get the Sunflower Showdown, and you know this moment of KU. Like, if you want to win the Big Twelve, you very likely. Now, it's not like an absolute, certainly, because we're just like halfway through the conference season. But you very likely are going to have to win this game if you want to win the Big 12 if you're Kansas. Because if not, you're a true two games back, and you're really three games back at that point at K-State because they'd have the you know the tiebreaker and all that stuff. Um, and you'd be playing probably to jam it up and, and get some sort of tie in there. But that, that game just looms as massive coming into Lawrence. And really for both teams, Tommy, and we'll talk a whole lot about it tomorrow, of course, but really for both teams in that, like that that sits there as a spot for statements made. And the first time did too. Kansas State made the statement yeah. that they're, you know, talent to talent, whatever, capable of, of playing with anybody. Now, though, can they go on the road and win that kind of game? And for KU, you know, K-State got you the last time. Can you defend your home court? Can you come out with that fire and that energy and take advantage of having home court and all of those things? I am pumped to see Bill Self versus Jerome Tang round two because I thought those two and the things that they were doing in the first matchup were so fun to watch. Sure glad it gets to be on ESPN+. Plus. Come on. Yippee. You got you to gotta leave the ability to sub games in and out of there. You can't have that. You're going to have a – we're going to have like a – it's not going to be top five, but it's going to be top ten. Like in in the best game of the, everybody's going to be sitting there thinking, "Wait, what?" Not just us here because uh, we're obviously annoyed by it. Do we have a, a a fart noise sound effect, Jad, that we can play when we ever mention KUK State Sunflower Showdown top ten matchup on ESPN Plus? I mean, come on, just absolutely I, ridiculous. Uh, I have no issues and practices on that one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got no issues with ES I think ESPN plus has been cool because it's provided us right. The ability to watch everything basically. But when you've got that game in that spot, like you got to have you, you got, if you're ESPN, like you have to have a way to get your a team back in there for that game. It's at Allen Fieldhouse 
it, the energy is going to be incredible in the best arena in the country among two top five teams, two teams yeah. that are going to potentially be one seeds in the NCAA tournament. And come on, we know that, you know, we're not talking about a matchup here where you're going to get Dan Schulman and Jay Billis or Boog Shambi and Fran Fraschilla. Well, not on plus. Uh, Dick, yeah, right. Dick Vitale's not going to be there. Like those guys don't broadcast ESPN plus games. So you're getting a high level matchup and you're, you're getting like the eighth string play-by-play guys uh, and and so for me and shameless plug here on the network i would much rather listen to brian haney and oh, the yeah. uh the the jayhawk radio network here on kfh uh and look brett yormark if you're listening whatever the new deal looks like create flexibility to put your league in the spotlight uh you you would have the whole country watching the big 12 anybody that's watching sports tomorrow night is likely watching the big 12 if that game is on espn or ESPN2 or whatever. Uh, and it's not going to happen. And that's too bad. That's a missed opportunity for the league. But so, you know, it, it is what it is. There's not a whole lot anybody can do about it. But both of those teams make nice statements in a series, Tommy, that means nothing um, as far as, you know, overall outcomes of the season. Was I think it nice means a lot. To see- I think it means a lot, especially for Kansas. Like, yeah, it might not mean anything in the standings. No, no, but- no, no, no. I mean the series. I mean the series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kansas beating Kentucky means a lot to Kansas, right? That there's no doubt the team that had the most on the line this weekend for that game outside of Rick Barnes, you know, playing against Texas was Kansas just because they were struggling. But the series overall, it, it's one because and and fair is fair. I said before it, like no matter what the outcome is here, if the if the SEC comes out and goes seven and three in this thing, I'm not gonna think they're a better league than the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve did go seven and three, but I don't hold that against the SEC. I think the SEC is probably, you know, they're at least in the conversation for the second best league in the country. But the Big Twelve showed well. And it was really nice to see Oklahoma do that and Grant Sherfield, former shocker, go for thirty. My goodness. Oh. It was great to see Texas Tech get that win. Man, I feel bad for the Red Raiders because they're good. And they're getting to the point now where I'm not sure they're going to be able to get in unless they go on a tear. It was good to see them get a bounce back. Uh, how about Mississippi State beating TCU in overtime? And, you know, it's it's really interesting. Uh, they've they've now made their way through. Chris Jans, of course, is there now. And that I don't know if that's the biggest win of their season, but it's got to be one of them. So that was a cool, that was a cool thing to see there. Oklahoma State, uh, you know, the matchups at least did this, Tommy. They kind of pit the top ends against the top ends, you know, in a lot of ways. Tennessee and Texas, Tennessee got a big win. You know, for Tennessee, now with the win over Texas and Kansas, I mean, Tennessee's going to be in the conversation, Tommy, for the best team in the country, right? I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that at this point. They were already number four, but as they should be, and you know, of course, Alabama gets blown out by yeah. OU and they're number two. So you, you've got a spot open at least to get into the top three. Uh, but I, I think that Rick Barnes is doing a phenomenal job. And, and then the other matchup that stood out to me in that challenge, Missouri, absolutely taking it uh, to Iowa yeah. state. Uh, and, and, you know, we've known that Missouri, even though they haven't been ranked, uh, they're a, they're a salty team. And of course they're at home. Uh, Iowa state, uh, I think is Still one of the best teams in the Big 12, but we saw some deficiencies from them in that game over the weekend against Missouri. So I think from because they that, have deficiencies. I mean, they 100 percent. I think they've overachieved and over overperformed a little bit, you know, throughout the conference schedule. Um, I think Missouri, to an extent, exposed them a little bit. 
Yeah, we'll see. I think Iowa State's capable of that, but I think they're capable of everything else in a positive way that they've done too. Here's the sneaky team that I want to talk about for a second. Baylor. I absolutely think there's, you know, Baylor right now is the team nobody's talking about, but Tommy, they lost by a point to TCU. Then they turned around and lost in overtime to Kansas State. Now those came at home, which is why everybody was in panic mode. But since they went to Morgantown, which is always tough, and they beat Oklahoma State. Then they went to Lubbock. They went to Norman and beat Kansas and Arkansas. They're they're coming. They're coming on strong. And they're going to be there in the end. I really think they're going to be there in the end. When we look at this, I mean, they're just right now a game back in the Big 12 standings. But as you look at that group, TCU, Baylor, Kansas, Iowa State, Texas, and Kansas State, you can make a case that Baylor's the best team out of that group. I don't think that's a that's a stretch. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, the, the job that Scott Drew has done after the start that they had in conference play and getting his team to respond and, and go on that winning streak, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think that you can clearly make that argument that that they have a case to be made to be the best the best team in the conference. And, and there are five or, or six teams that can lay claim to that, and that's what's going to make the second half of conference play so fun to watch. All right, we'll talk shockers when we return. 869-1240, the number to call. We'll hit that next on Sports Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, Tommy, Wichita State uh, doing what we what we needed to see him do. We, I continue to just sort of scratch my head at the difference in the ceiling and the floor of this team. I, I, th- I do think the ceiling is as good as, you know, fourth, maybe even third in the league, but the floor we've seen too many times. We did not see it, though, in the game against East Carolina, and as – um, soul-crushing as the loss to Tulane could have been, they bounce back nicely. And that's a good sign, right? That's a good thing. 85-72 winners. Basically what we saw, I thought, what, and, and, you know, it was a 13-point game that was never a 13-point game, if you know what I mean. Like, they were in control. Yeah, it may have ended up at 13 points, but Wichita State was just coast-to-coast in control in that game to me. And... It was nice to see them follow up the two-lane first half with another first half like that, and then this time continue it into the second half. Um, 
know, they were up 21 at halftime. So it was it was one of those things where they were just going to they're just going to kind of coast on in there and that's what they did, but they kept the, you know, the intensity up. They were able to get it done and East Carolina is not very good and I get that. But at least with Houston looming Thursday night, at least you sit there and think, man, could their best game be good enough? And maybe, right? I do think it's interesting for the Shockers. Curious to get your take on this. They've clearly put a bigger emphasis on offense lately. It has been, clearly, to the detriment somewhat of the defense. But do you think that that version of the Shockers, that is a little more offense-centric and not as much defense-centric, is the right version of the Shockers? I, I think it probably is. I think I'd rather see him play this way and and hope to combine some of the defense we saw earlier in the season with it. But, you know, at least we sit here on a Monday feeling you know better about things after that just crushing two-lane loss. I agree with you to an extent um, because when we were talking about this Shocker offense disappearing for long stretches and the defense playing really well, that was fine, but the margin of error was so small, and we've, we've had that discussion multiple times. Uh, and so, you know, if you're not going to be able to score at a high clip and when your defense doesn't play lockdown, uh, and that's happened this season with the Shockers as well. Uh, it's it's really difficult to, to win games. And so if they can play at a little bit more of a, you know, offensive clip um, and, and put up 85 against an East Carolina team, they, they scored 79 the last time, or they scored 69 the last time they played East Carolina. They've improved, you know, from the last time they faced the Pirates to now. I think that's a good sign overall. But y- your question I think is the absolute right question to ask leading into the game on Thursday against Houston is Wichita state's best game enough. Will it be enough? Uh, and, and I don't know the answer to that. Like if Isaac Brown puts together the absolute perfect game plan, everybody executes at a really high level. Is that enough to beat Houston? Um, I would say probably not. But they did what they need to, needed to do against East Carolina. You mentioned it on Friday. What Wichita State needed was a convincing and fairly dominant victory against a team that, at least on paper, you should be better than. And you didn't get it done the last time you played them. They had to have it, and they got it. Yeah, you know, and, and the other part of that is, um, had they not played the second half against Tulane the way that they did, we would be sitting here saying, yeah, they got a shot. I mean, they, we, yeah. I, I think. So I'm trying to put that to the side. I loved the fact that they only shot 14 threes in that game. And they weren't even shooting that poorly from three. But they've got to learn how to, to generate the offense when the three-point shots aren't falling because too often they don't. And I thought they did a really nice job of that in this game. They got to the free throw line consistently in both halves, and they hit those free throws, and they worked it inside. James Rojas had a big game, right? Kenny Poto was good. Those two guys combined to give them something. Uh, Isaiah Porbear Chandler hit a three. So I, I think that they're, they're, they, they, they responded well, right? They responded well. They did, I'm sure, what was asked of them from Isaac Brown and that coaching staff, and that's a good sign. And I do think their best is good enough to catch Houston on a night. The only problem is 
Houston already got caught, right, against Temple. My problem with the game Thursday is what are the chances a team as good as Houston gets caught twice? I'd say that that reduces the likelihood there. But look, this Houston's Houston was really, really good last year and Wichita State almost got them. So, yeah, it's on the table. It's on the table for sure. Yeah, I mean, if, if Wichita State can shoot 51% from the field on Thursday like they did against East Carolina, then, of course, they're going to have a, a better shot. Um, I, I don't think they'll shoot it at that clip. I think Houston's defense is clearly better than what East Carolina can throw out there. But you're riding a little bit of momentum. Um, the the game yesterday may have been, and I'm, I'm thinking back to the non-con, may have been the most complete game that the Shockers have played this season uh, from start to finish. Um, clearly the most complete game in conference play so far. I just, I think what a missed opportunity to not have all of that momentum by beating Tulane and then beating East Carolina going into a matchup against Houston. I think there's still excitement there. I think you feel like if you can put it all together, you can at least be in the game. But man, it could have been so much bigger. Look, and we got to let that go, though. I, I think it's do you want to think about the first half against Tulane or the second half against Tulane? If you think about the first half and then that performance and then all the good, yeah, I think the ceiling is high enough. We'll see. We got that game. We got a while for that game. So uh, that's also a good thing, I think, for Wichita State, but it's probably a good thing for Houston, too. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, tell you what's on tap today on the network next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 